Welcome to Argyle Chat, the Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by the Herald Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Argyle Chat. Joining me to look back on an eventful weekend for Plymouth Argyle are our writers Chris Errington, Jack Ball and David Monday. Hi guys. Hello. Hello. Hi Stu. Join off. Yeah, just about. <laughs> Jack and I were driving down the M18 on uh, Monday morning, weren't we? Well, Monday lunchtime, I suppose it was, and snow, ice, fog, rain. rain. Yeah. It was it was yeah. bizarre. And then we we but got onto the M, we got onto the M5, and what did the temperature gauge get up to? Like Seventeen degrees. Seventeen degrees really? at one stage. Yeah. Well, I was going to say it is the start of spring. I'm, <laughs> I'm afraid it didn't feel like spring at Glanford Park, no, and, and and obviously you know we can. Talk about that on shortly and the, the postponement. Yeah, that's right. We'll come on to that in a minute. We'll uh, we'll go back to Good Friday. Um, Dave, you and Chris are both at the game on. Um, you were as well, Jack, weren't you? The... Yeah, I wasn't working, but I was, yeah. Yeah, I was there. Um, fantastic win for Argyle, four 0 uh, Best performance of the season, would you say, Chris? Right up there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they've they've put in some good ones uh, recently. That IFC Wimbledon game was a cracker, and they played well that that night. But. Um, yeah, I thought they played very well against Southend. And you look at what Southend did on Easter Monday. Mm. They went and beat uh, Gillingham 4-0, wasn't it? Convincingly beat them. So uh, they've been on a, um, you know, um, a, a great run of form at Home Park Argyle before that. But uh, I think it's 10 wins out of their last 11 now at home. I mean, that's, that's a fantastic record. thought they played really well. Carey and Lemires were, the, I think, the standout players for, for most people. You know, they, they just... You know, were were too good for Southend on the day, and clearly Sonny Bradley being back in the team at the defence made a massive difference. So you could, it's not just what he brings to the team, but I'm sure it inspired Zach Viner, Gary Sawyer, even Remy Maffey's behind him to have his presence back in the team. So definitely right out there as one of the best performances of the season. They just yeah. they just seem to keep getting better and better with each home game, which is great. I mean, I think you made a good point there, Chris. I'm talking about what Southend did before that game mm. and what they did after that game because. I mean, I think, Jack, you tweeted something which I largely agreed with, was that Southend, on the day, was one of the worst performances I'd mm. seen of an away team at home park, probably all season, probably in the last couple of years, even when they'd been in League Two. But I think a lot of their poor performance was just down to just how good Argyle were. They just, they just did not give Southend any space. They were first to every ball. They really just took the game to them. They were clinical with their chances. You know, they were creating chances left, right and centre. And it's very difficult, I think, to, um, to play well if you're the away team when the home team's doing that. And the confidence they've got is just incredible. Just every man won their battle. You know, Lemiras and um, and Carey just had their men on toast. Um, one thing that um, me and Chris were talking about in the press box, like Lemiras, when he had the ball, he'd, he'd go left, he'd go right, and, and the defenders would just kind of like wobble in front of him like they were on a piece of string that he was holding. It was just incredible. And then Ryan Taylor won't seem to win every aerial battle against um, Michael Turner at the back. It was just incredible. And yeah, Sonny Bradley being back. One thing I, I really want to make sure we talk about is that little back heel from... From Sonny Bradley, there was this great moment where Lemiris had the ball on the left, and he played a little one-two with Bradley, who basically gave him the ball back with this this back heel, that no look back heel that ended up being a nutmeg on the defender. It would have looked out of place Ronaldo done that. I know it was absolutely, and this is this is Sonny Bradley two two or three years ago, who's just like a, a so-called League Two lump of a centre back. So. It was just, there was, you know, we're just running out of superlatives to describe it. My it, was, it was almost like a stark contrast to what it was like away to Charlton, you know. Charlton got a very yeah. early goal in that game and from that moment on, nothing really went Argyle's way and I think Southampton might possibly feel that, um, you know, in the game against Argyle. But the good record is, over the last four home games, they scored 12 goals, mm. um, which is, you know, almost unheard of. You know, you've got to enjoy these moments as fans, as journalists, when you're writing about it. It makes our jobs easier when we're writing about things that are going well, you know, <laughs> yeah. despite... 
popular belief we don't like writing about doom and gloom all the time we like to write <laughs> about good things and it yeah. is and I think when we when, as, as a fan when I heard the news that Sonny Bradley was coming back you could almost sense this sort of relief around the ground and I think there was just more confidence that we could go out and get a result you know as, 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 as fans as well so I think that was a great start and it always went from there mm. you know with the early goal and everything just fell into place quite nicely you, you see it with the momentum Argyle have got at the moment I mean we saw it in kind of stark contrast earlier in the season when they were losing game after game after game really hard to break that habit and it's the same when you're winning you know when you're getting that winning momentum you just think you can beat anybody mm. and you can definitely tell that when you're watching they were just playing with such freedom as well and me and Chris were talking weren't we about Graham Carey on, on the way into the car and we're saying that he's being allowed such freedom in that team that if he did go and join another team I'm not so sure he would he would get that freedom mm. he's, he's been a star player under Adams he's getting the best out of him and him Taylor and Lemiris work so well together. I mean, mm. and who would have predicted that at the start of the season? You know, you couldn't even in pre-season. Kerry and Lemiris just did not work in the yeah. same team. Well, that was the big question in pre-season: was how do you get those two into the same team? Wasn't it? And everyone kind of thought Lemiris would play second fiddle to to Kerry. And for me, the best thing was that I think what Dave what Dave sort of mentioned it is that every player that played on that game put in a shift, mm. and there were just no passengers. It was mm. everyone put in a really good shift, and I think that transpired into the result, and it was really really enjoyable. Long may that continue. Yeah, uh, we've had a question from. Richard, who said on Friday Ryan Taylor picked up a first half yellow card and it was clear that Southend were targeting him, perhaps hoping, he, hoping that he would react and get a second yellow card. It was disappointing that Argyle had no striker on the bench. Obviously, Simon Church is injured right now. Uh, he adds, with the luxury of being 3 0 up and in control of the game, Adams brought on Joel Grant. Do you share my concern that a different set of circumstances could have exposed our weaknesses and small squad? And should Adams have allowed Nathan Blissett to go out on loan? Um, right. There's a lot of questions. Three, there, three questions there. No, but the, the good, good yeah, questions. And we're yeah, always yeah. grateful for questions. Um, so thank you, Richard, for for taking the time to contact us. Um, it was disappointing that Argyle had no strike on the bench. Um, you know they are very light on the strike uh, striking options, aren't they? Uh, with Simon Church being injured, you know Alex Fletcher's um, been on the bench. Um, but, you know he, he is still very young and raw, and um, you know that's he's not a light for light replacement either for Ryan Taylor, is he? No. Um, if anything does happen to Ryan Taylor. Um, it was interesting that Derek Adams brought on Joel Grant with 20 minutes to go. We haven't seen him play as a central striker very often, if at all. He's always been on that wide left role earlier in the season in the 4-2-3-1. I, I thought he did quite well playing down the middle, to be honest. I mean, he, he, he got fouled for the, for the penalty. Um, he went through and had the chance that Lemires ended up scoring our goal's fourth goal from. Um, so... In a sort of admittedly, um, you know, 3-0 up, 4-0 up with 15 minutes to go, little cameo, I thought he showed that if the situation arose, he wouldn't be the worst option to play down the middle as a central striker. So I would take some encouragement from that. Um, but clearly, you know, we're touching wood, you know, yeah. they really don't need Ryan Taylor getting injured. <laughs> that, is, yeah. that is abundantly clear. Yeah. And, and as for Nathan Blissett, um, I just don't think on the evidence we saw this season that Nathan Blissett was up to League One standard. And yes, you could have kept him, but you know, would it have been fair to him to keep him when you were never going to play him? He's gone to Macclesfield, who I think what five points clear at the top of the National yeah. League, and you know, going to get promoted, and he's um, got the uh, the opportunity to move there in the summer. So no, I, I think it was right to let Nathan Blissett go. Simon Church, unfortunately, as a signing, has not worked out because of injuries. It was always going to be a gamble because of the, the record he's had, unfortunately, with injuries over the past 18 months. Um, and yes, we de definitely don't need Ryan Taylor getting injured because he's basically Joel Grant or, 
mm. you know, Alex Fletcher, and that's about it, isn't it? We, we saw earlier in the season as well that none of the players that came in, in as a replacement for Taylor were up to the job. I think the hard, the hard thing is going into January that Derek Adams had to try and find a striker that was happy to be a sub, really, because yeah, yeah. he plays one striker, and Ryan Taylor was such an integral part of that turnaround of form. Um, I said to Chris, I see him as, you know, you can have a good product, but he's a battery. He really makes the whole thing tick. Mm. And I think he allows Graham Carey to, the freedom to play as he does. He allows mm. Lemiris the freedom to play as he does. And if there was no Ryan Taylor, those two wouldn't be thriving. So he's almost an unsung hero. I agree with Richard that, you know, players target lone strikers. It happens to Ryan Taylor every single game. You know, you have defenders grabbing hold of him, pulling him back. And you feel as if, if he does one thing to them, it's a free kick. But that happens to lone strikers up and down the country. Um, and he mentions as well, Richard, I mean, a different set of circumstances, you know, you could have a different set of circumstances that Church wasn't injured, you know, there's always different um, contributions in that, in that way. But I, I agree with Chris, Job might impress me when he came on and I certainly wouldn't think, wouldn't be overly worried if he, if he came on for the old cameo appearance here and there. Of course, if Ryan Taylor did get injured, I think we'd all have quite a few worries. Taylor's key because yeah, if exactly. he's getting the best yeah. out of Carey and Lemiris, yeah. they're playing well, but without <laughs> Taylor in that team, I'm not sure that, that they would contribute as much with them. Had Taylor not started that game and say Grant had started that yeah. game as striker, I don't think they would have been 3-0 up at the point where he eventually came on. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, like, like you say, he's just integral to the way that Argyle just dominate the ball in the attacking third, so... Yeah, um, I was say, I really feel for Taylor because I think in a few years' time he's going to be one of these players that has went very underrated during his time yeah. at Argyle because people will just go on Wikipedia, go on Soccer Base and see his goals and see how many games and think mm. that was a bad performance. But he really is so vital to the way the team play. It's, and it, he's never going to get any awards. He's never going to get probably the recognition, recognition he probably deserves. And the, the stark contrast between the start of the season and how we're playing now I think he is the main reason behind the difference Definitely. yeah I'd go along with that it's interesting because even recently you know I saw some posts on uh, free chat I think it was and I got fans saying no if, if only we had a striker that scored goals we'd be mm. you know doing even better <laughs> all, 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 all <laughs> I say to that is I remember when we did last have a striker that scored goals was Ruben Reed and we failed to get promotion from League 2 yeah. Yeah. that doesn't always guarantee success and Adam's teams have never really had a prolific goal scorer and it works really well when you've got the likes of Carey and Lemiris who can thrive off that yeah, to me exactly. that's a better model than relying on one striker to score all your goals yeah He's, it's some of the parts isn't it and, and I mean, Carey's up to 13 goals now yeah. in all competitions I mean that's not a bad return I mean lots of strikers would be happy with 13 goals Lemiris has chipped in with 6 now uh, mm. in basically half a season, season. of that so, um, the first player carry to get um, good, yeah. doubles in goals yeah, and assists yeah. in the whole league. Yeah. So, but I was going to come on to Graham Carey yeah. actually because yeah. his form this season, in, in mm. contrast to earlier this season, mm. I think the first 10 games of the season it was one goal, five bookings, and a red card. Mm. You know, I think even the red card we said was down to the frustration mm. and, of, of what was going on at the time. Recently, though, as, as Jack said, goals, assists, both in double figures, and he just seems like a player that's loving playing football again right now. Again, it's, I, I really do put a lot of that down to Ryan Taylor, and that's not, not taking away from, away from Graham Carey, but if people don't pass on the ball in the right positions, he's not going to be able to do what he does. Yeah. No disrespect to Jake Jervis, but he just doesn't, didn't seem to have the understanding that Taylor has about people's movements, where to play the ball. Him and, ta- him and sorry, Taylor and Carey seem to have struck up this great relationship where they know what each other's doing at all times and that can't be easy because you never really know where Kerry's going to end up but they make it look so seamless I feel I think there was a lot of pressure on Kerry at the start of the season when Taylor wasn't in the team yeah. because when um, you know as, we, as we've discussed at length over and we, as we discussed at length at that part of the season without Taylor in the team Argo just don't hold possession in, in an attacking third in, in any kind of constructive sense and they can't put things put anything together so then in that situation when you've got a player like Kerry who can beat a man, you know, who can shoot from distance and has all those qualities, 
he kind of has to go out of his way to go and do a lot of the legwork, like like you mentioned, and w- like obviously that's difficult anyway. But then I guess the mental pressure that, that that ends up being put on the player as well. Obviously, you know the, the red card as well has come from frustration. I mean, a part of that may have been because he was having to do so much more work. Whereas now, yeah, as you say, Taylor does a lot of that legwork for him. You know, he can pick up the ball in dangerous positions. He doesn't have to necessarily beat as many men as he did before because he can you know lay off a quick pass things like that. Um, so I think yeah, like that, I think it comes down to like, expectations from a player as well. Like there's less expected of him in terms of workload now. I think. And Chris, you raise a good point in the car. And the as people can imagine, we've got long journeys back. We do speak a lot in the <coughs> car. But you mentioned a point about the fact is Graham Curry doesn't have the surprise factor anymore. People know yeah, what is the sign of a good player, someone that will be marked by two or three men. Yeah. They know exactly what he's going to do, but he can still score the goals. And that's what you mentioned, wasn't it, Chris? Uh, I, I just think everyone knows how how important Graham Carey is to Argyle. So if you're planning a game plan. To, when you're playing against Argyle, stopping Graham Carey is probably top of the list. Mm. And and the fact that, you know, three seasons running now, he's been able to score lots of goals. He was the first player in League One this season to get double figures in goals and assists. You know, he, he's right up there with Nick Powell, Bradley Dack, Jack Marriott, you know, as as a, one of the top players in League One. I don't think we're being, um, you know, over-optimistic about that. I'd be stunned if he's not in the League One team of the year. You know, he deserves to be mentioned in League One Player of the Year. Yes, you know, he had a slow start to the season and that would probably count against him in terms of winning any sort of League One Player of the Year on us. But, I mean, his, his, his form since that first, you know, 10-game period that you mentioned, Stu's been fantastic. And there's just the freedom that, that he's got in that team and Lemire's as well. I mean, just a case in point, the second goal against South End, which Carey scored with the uh, deflected shot. You know, Carey and Lemire's were both on the same side of the pitch. Um, and they linked up, played a little one-two, mm. and 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 Kerry's would have, probably would have gone in the top corner if it hadn't hit the deflection and and gone in. But you know there was a good example of the manager is talking a lot at the moment about overloads, and and it's very difficult for the opposition if you've got Kerry and Lemiris both pop up in the same area of the pitch. How on earth are you going to deal with, <laughs> with deal with that? You know, and um, I just think you know it, it, you know Kerry's done extremely well. He came in and saw us after the game against Southend. He's enjoying his football undoubtedly. And um, you know, long wait continue. Can't take a penalty. <laughs> no, no, but he was he, he was well up for taking the next one. And yeah. again, uh, you know, if we get to an important stage, um, there's some important games coming up. Yeah. You know, um, Peterborough, Portsmouth, Scunthorpe. Um, if Argyle get a penalty in the 85th minute of a game and they need it to win or to get an important point, I'm You're still going. Him. I'm still going You're with Carey. Him. I'm yeah. still going with Carey yeah. when the pressure's on. Um, you know, Newport County FA Cup replayed. Um, the, uh, there was one the other week, Bristol Rovers, wasn't there, which he scored from. Um, yeah, get the, get the miss out of the way when you're 3-0 up <laughs> and when they need it. And it might well come up in these last few games if they get a crucial penalty yeah. where you have to score it. I'd still put my money yeah. on Graham Carey. At least it puts it out that any rumours, Graham Carey is human. <laughs> <laughs> he does have some flaws occasionally. Yeah, yeah. Shame for him though, I mean, it would have been a first ever hat trick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he, he was quite disappointed. He was, by yeah. he was, he was yeah. really disappointed. But yeah. I think we all were as well, because he, he, he played so well. And mm. it's not often you actually see someone score a hat trick. I mean, I'll go hat tricks as we know. I think it's 12 years I've, I read on this. It's the, rare. Yeah. It's rare. 12 years since one at Home Park. Yeah. Yeah. So. so It was unlucky. I mean, it hit the bar as well. I mean, he, he he spoke. I saw. I read some of the pieces. He was speaking about the fact that you know keepers do their research. And he tries to yeah. do it differently, and it wasn't luck. And another day, that would have probably hit the bottom of the crossbar and gone in. Yeah, but. yeah that's the, that's the thing he was saying was that they've actually had quite a lot of penalties recently, mm. and um, in years gone by, they they haven't. 
I, I think I think we um, two seasons ago it took us until like February to even get one. Um, so yeah, I think that's the key point is that when you when you have so many penalties over a short period of time, you know it just means the goalkeepers have got more research to work on, haven't they? So yeah. Okay then, guys, on to Scunthorpe. Um, lots and lots of comments from angry, annoyed, frustrated supporters that sort of made the journey. Some arrived, some were pretty much there before the game got called off. Uh, I'll just go through a couple of comments that we've had sent in. One from Keith. The frustrating point is that there were repeated weather warnings for two or three days in advance of all of this. So so sorry for all those that made the 640-mile round trip. Another one from Robert Pollard. Why was the pitch not covered, knowing full well heavy rain was coming in? I'm not happy leaving Plymouth at 6.30am, getting an hour away from the ground, only for it to be called off. It should have been called off earlier. Chris, so many questions about... Yeah the lack of covers, mm. why a referee wasn't called in, or, or a local referee, mm. called in earlier to postpone the game. I always feel sorry for the club in these situations because it's just a lose-lose situation, isn't it? They, can't, they cannot win. They can't please everybody. Yeah, I mean, first of all, we, we, we would all sympathise with the fans who've set off and, yeah. and either got part of the way, got all of the way. Jack and I went to Glanford Park and there was a group of fans in the reception area, um, you know, around about quarter past 11, you know, uh, one of them in had left at three o'clock in the morning. I think it was. You know that that is is no fun. Uh, unfortunately, with Plymouth Argyle in the location that they're in in the country, and you travel long distances away from home, there is always the potential for problems like this to arise. Um, we recall Morecambe on uh, uh, Easter a couple of years ago. Um, I, I fully sympathise with Robert Pollard, who who left Plymouth at nine thirty and got an hour away from the ground. Um, what what would I say about that was um, there were some comments about Scunthorpe didn't want the game played that's rubbish you know plain and simple you know Scunthorpe wanted the game on we saw the staff there they'd um, 30 drained the pitch on Sunday um, so they trained on the pitch on Sunday uh, some people say well why are you training on the pitch the day before a game well everywhere else looked flooded in Scunthorpe to me I don't think they, they maybe could have found an indoor facility but I don't think it's unreasonable to expect a, a team to train on their own ground uh, the day before the game. The yeah, exactly. um, they verti-drained it afterwards. Verti-drain is that process where you put lots of spikes into to the pitch. It's to aid the drainage. Um, and um, Argyle used to do it a lot when their pitch was pretty poor. And, uh, and it goes down to a certain depth. I can't remember the exact depth. But the idea is, is, is to, to help the drainage, basically. Um, there were covers there. I believe they were frost covers rather than rain covers. Frost covers would, would protect the pitch, but having verti-drained the pitch and then putting covers on would have defeated the objective of verti-draining it, really, um, I think. So I'm no expert on groundsmanship, by the way, but you know I think if you've verti-drained the pitch, um, they've made a pretty reasonable attempt to try and get the game on. Uh, we stayed near Scunthorpe on uh, Monday, and I must admit, when I was having breakfast, it never really crossed... It was raining, but it never really crossed my mind that the game was going to be ending in any doubt. Uh, but then Jack and I drove into Scunthorpe uh, about 20 minutes, wasn't it, Jack? And it was just was water everywhere. Mm. I mean, in the fields, I mean, it, on the road, it was it was everywhere. So um, I think we got to Gunford Park fully expecting it to be off. Um, there was pools of water everywhere. We drove into the car park at Glanford Park and we drove through something that wasn't dissimilar to Burrator Reservoir. You know, it was, it was water <laughs> everywhere. Um, uh, talk about the referee, should he have got there earlier? He was travelling from Blackpool, I believe it was. He came across the M62. 
there was snow, there was traffic holdups, there'd been a really nasty accident on the M62. Um, so there was delays there. So instead of getting there at quarter past 11, it was probably near half 11, Jack, wasn't it? Something like that when he yeah, got there. Yeah. Within five or 10 minutes, it was a pretty easy decision for him to call it off. Um, could it have been called off earlier? It could have done, but then as, a, as, as you said, Stu, clubs can't win. If they called it off at nine o'clock, people would have been saying, well, you didn't give it much of a chance to be on. If you call it off at one o'clock, one thirty, then clearly people are going to say we've left it too late. You know, people are already here. Uh, you know, a, a pitch inspection at eleven fifteen is never going to satisfy Argyle fans, but most Argyle fans would have left at nine o'clock in the morning anyway. Before, so a difficult one. I sympathise with everyone. I think Scunthorpe made a you know by draining the pitch. I think they 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 certainly can't be accused of not trying to get the game on. Um, <laughs> It was an awful lot of rain, Jack, wasn't it? I mean, I mean, I mean, what I'd say, I mean, mm. Keith's made the point of there are repeated weather warnings, but if you call games off two or three days in advance every time there was a weather warning or, or potential of a rain, yeah. there would be far more uh, postponements. I remember when, I think Rochdale was called off a little while ago, the pitch was actually quite playable, I believe, but it was the surrounding areas, mm. and the people moaning that, well, if the pitch is playable, we could have got there. Whatever people do, there are people moaning. Yeah. Mm. And uh, like Chris, I sympathise with people that paid money for hotels, they pay money for transport, totally. but mm. it is the risk you take with being a football fan. Now, if, if you leave at three in the morning, that is your own risk. No one's making you... The journey is... The length of the journey is the length of the journey. I mean, I've seen some people saying that the referee should have seen the forecast and called it off, he shouldn't have gone, but we all saw the forecast, but you still chose to travel to the game. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very easy with hindsight to say what you should and shouldn't have done. They were talking about a local referee, and I don't quite know the exact rules could they have brought in a local local referee to do it quicker um i don't know because the referee was traveling from blackpool and was delayed whether that affects whether a club can then say well hang on a minute the referee's running late can we get somebody to come in and do it is there somebody local who's qualified to be able to come in and do it i, I don't know the don't know the answer to that in the, mm. the scunthorpe situation if you've got scott oldham the referee stuck in traffic on the m62 can you then say to the league, well, he's stuck in traffic, we've got matey down the road, can he come and do it? I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I don't think 11.30 is a bad time to call I, it I, I, I think, think that's a fair in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. If they called it off at nine, people would have made it was early. If they called it off at two, it would have been too late. If people left the day before, it doesn't mm. matter what time it would have been called off, you, it, would have, it would have affected them. I think people might have left home park early and been halfway up. I think people said they were near Peterborough at the time. It's one of those things. It doesn't happen to Argyle too often. There are other clubs in League 1 and League 2 that have a lot more games called off and I just think it's one of those things that is unfortunate but people just have to accept it and it's just one of the, one of the, one of the troubles of living so far away from I don't places. think we want to sound unsympathetic so I totally get the, the yeah. fans' frustration but I think you know, criticising Scunthorpe, Scunthorpe were trying to get that game on. I've For me, no... people, people have the right to ask questions. Yes, absolutely. But when they start insulting people, I yeah, mean, the, yeah. the, the, the um, Scunthorpe groundsman, Ollie, Ollie Macon, put out a tweet um, just to say, apologising, they did all they could. And he was just being, being abused by Argyle fans. And it makes you think, of, well, people want referees to speak, but why would they? Mm. They're trying offering apologies. They're trying to say sorry. All they're getting is abuse. He even said about his job. sympathy for the Argyle yeah. fans. Mm. Well, it's just it? it's just mm. not on. You know, people mm. want people want people like Ollie to speak so they understand. And when they do, they're hurled with abuse online. And that's the thing I don't like about Twitter. Sure, ask questions. Say, well, why won't coverage used? Take the response. But when you start becoming quite nasty to people I just don't think that helps and I think people, some people have agendas and just want to be mean all the time I don't think there's any need for that and then Derek Adams made the point afterwards that they virtually drained the pitch um, but there was nothing much once the rain really started falling heavily there was nothing they could do because they couldn't get any machinery on the pitch because yeah. it was so muddy and sticky so you're sort of looking at it and thinking well they're not really trying very hard to get the game on until you think well yeah the, you, you try getting a tractor on or you know anything yeah. on there 
it, it well, was, look at the Rochdale pitch earlier this season when they put a tractor on it. Absolutely. It so it. so it, it could have completely ruined the pitch. So I, the, I, the other thing I say is that all the games around that area were called off as well. Yeah. It wasn't just Scunthorpe. If if Doncaster had been fine, well, we stayed on mm-hmm. on Sunday night, and the days all get mixed up, don't they? Over Bank Holiday weekend. <laughs> but if that had been on, and all the other games around the area had been on. And that's one thing, but the fact is, all the games in that area were called off. Yeah, and that's Doncaster, Bradford, Chesterfield, Chesterfield you know, all, in that, area. all yeah. in that sort mm. of area were called off. So, and these groundsmen, they do know what they're doing. Yeah. They're better. They know more than me. They know more yes. than Chris. They know yeah. more than anyone on Twitter about what they're doing. So, yeah. to say that they're deliberately doing things that's wrong, I think, yeah. I think that's totally wrong and out of order. You, you mentioned League One, other League One, other League Two clubs that called off games. At least Scunthorpe didn't do it in the way that Morecambe did, because mm. they obviously put out that tweet that said, contrary to a rumor mill. There won't be a pitch inspection and the game is going to be on. And then, what was it, about an hour later? Two hours later. Two hours later, contrary to the rumour mill, no smoke without fire, game off. And then, so obviously that's someone on the account being flippant about the game being called off, which obviously affects a lot of people, to the point that they then had to put out an apology after that for the original tweet. So Cambridge I mean, fans were travelling up there, wasn't it? Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, while this situation isn't perfect, I mean, you know, at least, at least Scunthorpe came out. Like I say, at least the, the Scunthorpe officials came out and... Um, and you know we were just kind of transparent about what they tried to do instead of just making silly and jokes Chris is right. we were there we were, we were seeing the staff that had to go and tell the fans oh sorry you can't wait here you have to go sit down at the rain because you're in the way no one was enjoying doing that no one was enjoying the fact no. that the, the, the pitch was I mean everyone was dripping wet I mean there were food there was food arriving well, there were, all the staff were there it, was, it would cost the money and when it's played on a Tuesday night there will not be as many Argyle fans mm. there it will cost the Scunthorpe money and no one can, no one will win an argument with me telling me that they wanted that game. Well, no, I think an interesting point as well is is the the, the one about the covers. I mean, as you mm. mentioned, Chris, they we believe that they're frost covers, mm. which doesn't guarantee or no. mean that they're waterproof. No. Even if they are waterproof, mm. that rain's not going to come down onto a cover and just vanish. No. You know, it's still got to run away somewhere. And there was so much rain. Mm. The likelihood is it would have just flooded the rest of, of Glamford Park. Well, I mean, in the, the surrounding areas around the pitch, you know, where you, the, the front of the stands, basically, yeah. you know, there was pools of water there, you know, and... Um, the dugout was, was, was a good few centimetres deep of water. Yeah, it, mm. it, it wasn't just a bit of rain. I mean, it is the, the benefit that Jack and I had, that we were there and we could see with our own eyes. And um, could covers have made a difference? They, 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 they might have done, but like I said, they first drained the pitch, mm. um, you know... Uh, you know the idea of that is is to allow the rain to go through the to go through the surface. There was an awful lot of rain. I mean, what can you do when that amount? I mean, I don't know how much fell, but we were driving along the M one eighty, and we could hardly see where we were going because it was so heavy. The rain. I mean, but like Chris said, you know, like Chris, I'm no expert, but you know, I genuinely believe it. Had covers been put on, the game could well have been called off at half time, sixty minutes in, and. Mm that would have had more people even angrier they had already got into the ground and they would have been even later going back so I don't really I really don't struggle to see how that fixture could have been solvable in any way really yeah. one thing I thought was really interesting though, I don't know if this happens to you guys a lot you guys were tweeting because I was, obviously wasn't there I was following on Twitter and um, Chris I think you mentioned that you weren't able to see the pitch until after the referee mm. had looked at it is that, is that normal in those situations? It, it is these days because I think Clubs don't want people second-guessing pitch inspection. You know, Jack and I would like to have gone in there because yeah. we could have done a Facebook Live while the inspection was going on. We could have shown people what the pitch was like before. Um, but I think clubs and the league probably don't want people doing that um, because they don't want people second-guessing opinions and, and, and things like that. In the old days, I, I can remember going to games that were postponed at uh, Darlington and Rochdale, for example, and people were quite happy for you to wander around and have a look. But of course, I didn't have a camera phone in those yeah. days. Or Twitter. Or Twitter, yeah. or anything like that. I think that. that's the problem. I and think I if you let think, one in, you have to let everyone in. I do it, think it, it, it creates problems. And like you say, 
you know, if you let one person in, whether it's media or a fan, and then it goes out on social media and things like that, once the inspection was done, they were perfectly happy for us to go in and have a look. And they were, you know, the, the, the stuff we met at Scumfort were very friendly, weren't they, Jack? And, you know... And, you know, it goes to show they weren't, they weren't letting the Sky cameras in either. No. And, the, you know, it wasn't just because we were a regional paper. They weren't letting anyone in. And mm-hmm. It very much could have easily developed into a situation where a, a referee's going around trying to inspect the pitch and there's loads of cameras in his face. Sure. And, mm. and, you know, why would you want to... Why would the referee want to be... Mm. It's shown on camera when people, he just gets abuse all the time. I, yeah, yeah, you know, I don't think fans help these situations with the way that some of them are on Twitter. I don't think that helps anything like this. Now, speaking, no. of, speaking of that, what I did think was kind of funny was that when Twi- Chris tweeted that he wasn't allowed in to see the pitch, someone suggested he start throwing punches and see if that leads <laughs> to the pitch. That just sums up Twitter, doesn't <laughs> it? just cracked me up. This is the idea of Chris is wandering into Glenfield Park, <laughs> swinging punches. You show me the pitch now. I need to tell my followers what the pitch looks like. But obviously, of course, that would never happen. <laughs> um, the Argyle fans trust have today come out and called for an investigation asking why covers weren't used, mm-hmm. why a local, rec- local referee wasn't invited in earlier to make a pitch inspection. Um, We've kind of addressed those points already, so I'll go on to their third one, which is why the fixture was arranged for a bank holiday weekend in the first place. Now, Chris, mm. two years ago, of course, we had the whole Morecambe debacle. Yep. Um, this was our goal's fourth longest trip of the season. I mean, mm. I appreciate it's a very northern-centric league, yep. and it's difficult to arrange local games because of that. Mm. Um, but do the Football League need to be a little bit more considerate, do you think, in their fixture scheduling? In, in an ideal world, yes. But um, there's a lot of teams to try and arrange around and, and fixtures to sort out. It, it is a northern-centric lead, you know, and, um, yeah, we might not have gone to Scunthorpe, but, you know, going to Northampton is 240 miles. That's, that's far enough when the weather's a bit iffy, isn't it, sort of mm. thing. Um, we don't have any local derbies. You know, Bristol Rovers is the, is the nearest game. Then you've got the police bills. Um, you've got, so. you know, you could say we could be playing Bristol Rovers or Portsmouth at Easter or something like that, but the, the police would... Um, would definitely want you know a, a big presence at those sort of games on a on a bank holiday, so that sort of rules them out. Um, Argyle have got a lot of long distance away games. Um, it is unfortunate that in two of the last three Easter's, Morecambe and, and now Scunthorpe, there have been major problems for the fans. And you would like to think that the EFL will will look into it and consider it. Um, but again, when it, you know when you're the the farthest. Harvest flung club in the southwest of England. You know, you you're always going to have long distance trips. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the two difficult. things I say is one, the roads weren't that bad. I mean, there was bad weather, but the journey up on the Sunday and the journey back was weren't that bad. Ooh. It was the weather that put the games out. And the other thing I would say, if you look at it from the football league's point of view, over a bank holiday weekend, I mean, local derby's going to get big big attendances no matter when you have them. Ooh. So if you put all the big games on a bank holiday then you're going to get the same attendance. But if you put the far-flung ones in their eyes, you're going to get a bigger crowd going to games where perhaps as many fans wouldn't go to that. So I can see why, from the Football League's point of view, they might think for those big weekends, it's worth putting fixtures together where there's going to be maybe less of a crowd if you put it on another normal Saturday. Mm-hmm. So I can understand. I think that's possibly why there's some far, far-reaching far games on, on, a, on a Tuesday nights as well, because there's not going to be as many fans attending them on a Saturday, so they might as well do that. So I, I, looking at it from their point of view, I think that could well be a reason as well. I mean, the only games that you're really looking at are short distances are Bristol Rovers, Portsmouth, Oxford. But, but you want my, like yeah, and, even, and even there, yeah, yeah. you know, they're, they're not short. Well, oh, the point being is, if you play them any other time other than the bank holiday, you're still going to get big attendances. Mm. Now, if you play Argyle away to Scunthorpe on a normal Saturday, would mm. it have been as big attendance as it would over a bank holiday? I'm not so sure. So they might be doing it for crowd figures as well. Yeah. But I mean, the thing is, I think what it comes down to is when they set that fixture list, I know it's a long way. 
but yeah, as we said, so many games are a long way away. I mean, it's the fourth longest, but I, I can't imagine that many of the ones that are third, eighth, are that much further away. It, it, you know, it'd only be a matter of you know, 30, 40 miles, because we know how close a lot of these teams are to each other. But how, how can... How could have back in August the football league anticipated that we'd have like the worst spring in, in yeah. years? I mean, you know, we've been talking about it for ages. It, supposedly it's spring, but we've had snow twice in Plymouth. Um, you know, that wouldn't have been a problem if the weather had been fine. And okay, yeah, maybe, maybe it's just bad luck then that we've had we've had two out of three bank holidays where that's happened. One of the things I think is worth mentioning is that I was uh, um, supposed to cover Argyle away at Yeovil. I think that was two years ago as well, and I know it's a shorter journey. But that got called off when we were on the outskirts of Yeovil. And, and people were still up in arms. I mean, not quite as up in arms as this, but it just goes to show even when a game that's not that far away is called off, you know, people are still going to get upset. So, you know, I guess, I, I think you've just got to write this weekend off. There's nothing yeah. anyone could have done. I that's think it's thing. good It's good that the fans' trust have, have sort of come out and asked these questions and raised these points. And I don't think it ever does any harm for fans' groups and people like that to, to raise issues to the league. And, and they're know, not unreasonable yeah, questions. It's so fine they're, they're to ask these questions. They're perfectly, perfectly fair and valid questions. And I think it's, it's good they're doing it. Um, I think there are reasons why certain things were, were, were done or not done. The, you know, like I say, you know, Bank holiday weekends, you'd like games to be closer, but you know when you're Plymouth Argyle, I think that is always going to be very difficult yeah, to exactly. accommodate. Well, in the whole, day, you know, you all went up to Milton Keynes, yes, you know, yeah. such a, yeah. I think it gets a bit, it gets a bit weird. I think when when the football league have to start cherry choosing themselves what fixtures because who do you prioritise first? Yeah, well, do you mm-hmm. prioritise Carlisle? Do you prioritise Plymouth? Do you prior, who do, who do you prioritise? And then. Mm. They're going to be clubs saying, well, you've chosen them to have a close fixture, but we've got one. This is, they're yeah. never going to win. No. They're never going to win. I you... think if you always work on the basis that you're never going to please everybody all the time, mm. um, that's, and, a, that's the default well, that's position, That's the point it? I made to you earlier on. Mm. You know, you've got thousands of people, fans, yeah. players, managers, coaches yeah. involved in football. It's impossible it's, to it, please I mean, everybody. You, you, you've got our little script is to regionalise and things like that. And I mean, you know, it's a national league. Yeah. There's Plymouth Argyle, there's Scunthorpe United, there's Car- Carlisle United, there's Gillingham. They were dotted all across the country. They've all got long journeys to make at one stage or another. You're just never going to please all the clubs all the time. It's just impossible. I mean, it'd be great if you could, but, you know, you've got 72 teams in the EFL all wanting to play certain games at certain times and not wanting to play them at certain times. Mm. If you're yeah. Walsall and you're stuck in the middle of the country, nowhere's ever going to be more than 200 miles, you're probably laughing, aren't you? But, you know, when you're, when you're Plymouth Argyle and, and other teams out on the fringes... It, it's one of the the drawbacks, difficulties. But me personally, regionalising, no no way. You know, if you had north and south, we'd still be going to Colchester, Gillingham, yeah, Southend, yeah, yeah. Cambridge, Northampton. You know, and and there as far as if you're going up to Preston and, and places like I, that. I just, I just like to emphasise. Well, I do again. I do have sympathy for fans, but it is their choice. They know how far games are away. It's just one of the one of the drawbacks to being so far away. But yeah. you know, I remember a few years ago, um, I got home to Barnsley and we were, we were losing four 0 and it was called off. I don't think there were many Argyle fans moaning at that point. It's yeah. funny actally because there was a tweet from a Barnsley fan that said, "Oh, I'd just be glad, be glad you went four 0 up." Or, <laughs> exactly. Like, the scores at the time. So, so I don't think any of these people yeah. that moaning about this were moaning on that day. Yeah. So again, it's just just one of those things you just. It's, have it's really frustrating. Really uh, I feel sorry yeah. for anyone that's gone. Jack and I are fortunate, you know, it's our job. So, you know, but there's people that have time, expense, travel, yeah. everything. Totally, totally sympathise with them. But, mm. you know, sometimes in, in life and in football, there's things that it's difficult to predict and, and you know, avoid. It happens in all walks of life. You could, you could book for a gig, you could plan a weekend away. You, 
the weather is the weather. You can never, you can never. I mean, know. you had that thing yeah. with, with with Adele, was it, where oh, she had to call it off because no, 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 she was ill? So. Out in the morning. No, no, no. See, see, I, I took my ex to Paris to, for a gig, for a gig, and it was called off. So I've, I've, I've travelled to Paris for something that's come. So you're not going to so. confirm or deny that you booked tickets for an Adele concert? Oh, I did. No, I'm, oh, okay. I'm, I'm confirming okay. that. Um, it's worth pointing out though I have contacted Scunthorpe myself to yes. try and get some answers to those questions um, I sent them an email yesterday so hopefully we'll get some response from them um, Zach Dolbear is asking when will the game be arranged, rearranged for I think they're looking at either the 10th or the 17th aren't yeah the Derek Adams seem to think the 10th it's not confirmed yet but um, mm-hmm. the later you leave it you run the risk of if there's another postponement exactly, then you're not yeah. going to get it in so both clubs are free next Tuesday um, I'd be surprised if it wasn't Tuesday the 10th yeah um, moving on then guys wins for Charlton Peterborough and Portsmouth yesterday and sort of added to the uh, Green Army's frustration really the race mm. for the playoffs though it really starting to hot up now I mean it's Argos slipped down to ninth off the back of those results there's so many teams involved in, and as we said earlier Rotherham have kind of it's, dragged into it's, it I think it's the lowest Argos have been on the table for a while and you just but even still, they're only about what they're only one point off. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's it's for a neutral. It's fascinating for for anyone that's connected to any of these clubs. It's going to be very nervous <laughs> few months mm. or a few weeks, I should say. Um, but we've got the game results. Results don't well. really go our goals way. But yeah, I I I, I tend to be a, a glass half uh, half full, whichever the positive way full. is. <laughs> glass half full type of person. And I'm yeah, I'm like David. I'm seeing it as Rotherham now being dragged into it. It's one extra playoff place yeah. that is up for grabs. There's, there's especially three playoff places. Especially with Argos yeah. still to play. Because well. for a long time. It did, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, our goal have slipped, but they're one, one point right within pretty much everyone apart yeah. from Rotherham, and um, they've got Rotherham to come to home park on the penultimate set of the season. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're right in there. I mean, the next three games are going to be crucial. If you assume that Scunthorpe's going to be on the 10th, they've got Peterborough this Saturday at home, Scunthorpe away, Portsmouth at home. Mm. Now, if they're still within contact of the top six, either in or very close, the last four games, uh, Northampton away, just got rid of Jimmy Floyd, has a bank and deep in relegation trouble. Away to Rochdale, who are battling bravely, but look as though they might go down. Um, Rotherham at home. And then Gilling them away, you look like they're going to be mid-table. You well, know, some holidays. There's, there's some there's some very winnable games in those last four yeah. games. If they can just get through these next three games and being in touch, then they're they're, they're going to be in a really good position. I, I think I'm going to very, find it very hard to live blog games when I'm covering my eyes with my hands. I'm going to try and work out how I'm going to do that. Yeah. I mean, they're just the perfect games, though. That's the thing is that you see often mm. in these in these um, kind of promotion pushes. Um, you know, sometimes the managers and the players have to come in at five o'clock and check on their phone or how did this team get on how did this team get well if you just beat them you don't care and um, that's that's the great thing about this run I mean from a neutral perspective which I mean I I guess I kind of come at as someone who's not an Argyle fan um, you know in the same way that Jack is it's it's fascinating obviously working here I want to see Argyle do well so it's just the best of both worlds and we're going to get to cover some really exciting important games and whatever happens it's going to be really really interesting and there's going to be some great attendances at home park yeah. you know it's mm. it's going to be oh, yeah. a really good atmosphere, atmosphere. it's, it's going to be fantastic you know I can't I can't wait for Steve Evans to come down I can't wait for Pompey to come down and I can't, I can't wait for, for Rotherham as well it's going to be fascinating yeah and as we say Fortress home park really Chris with 10 mm. wins in 11 yeah I mean it's, it's a run that I can't really remember of, of that recent times I mean they've really turned it around when you think at the start of the season they they couldn't get a point at home, really. It was the same away from home as well, of course. <laughs> but, you know, they really were struggling at home. And, uh, you know, since I think it was Oxford United away, they, uh, Oxford United lost 4-0, didn't they? They had um, Ryan Edwards sent off early in that game. And then since then, they played Northampton on the, on a Tuesday night and managed to eke out a win against the pretty poor Northampton t- team that mm-hmm. night. And they've just been on, a, on an amazing run. And, you know, Peterborough are coming to a home park on Saturday. You know, it's, it's just got the makings of a great game, you know. Um, 
Peterborough have got Jack Marriott and, and Marcus Madison, who are undoubtedly two of the best players in the division. Um, Marriott's got 25 goals this season. Yeah, I mean, that incredible. is phenomenal. Yeah, he scored at home part before, of course, with losing, hasn't he? Phenomenal return for, for him. They are a, a good side. Uh, you've got the Derek Adams, Steve Adams, Evans subplot. <laughs> although I would argue that the main plot is that this is two teams that are going for the playoffs. Both are in good form. Both have got good good players. Um, it's going to be a crack. It's going to be a cracking game. There really are great. There are, you are right there. There are great, some great subplots. Where you've got obviously Sunny Bradley and yes, Madison coming face, yeah. face for the first coming time. Coming within distance of each other. And I'm sure. I'm sure. I don't know. I'm, 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 it'd be interesting to know what Ryan Taylor's doing. I mean, it's the game, the team that he played when he got broke his ankle. Yeah, I wonder that you know that might have some emotional um, connections. He'd, he'd to love it. a goal in that game, wouldn't he? Yeah. He'd really um, it's gonna. It's. I really can't wait. I'm excited for this weekend. It's like yeah. a Hollywood blockbuster. There's just there's the big main plot that's so exciting, but all the subplots have got. And then you know, you still after that, you still got Scunthorpe mm. away and Portsmouth at home to come as well. Yeah, so exactly. I mean, you know, they 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 really are exciting games. In, to in, so in a week and a half's time, the tables look very different, cool. and I think you're going to get a very good idea of who might be where. Because I don't know. I'm not so sure. I think it's going to go right the way to the wire. I think you're going to get those games where, you know, as I said last week on the podcast, where you suddenly think, oh no, we're out of it now after a defeat and then you go and win the next game yeah. and suddenly you're right back in it again I mean it's... those last four games I mean uh, you've mentioned there's three out of those last four that are against teams that aren't involved and possibly their fate might be sealed by then yeah. they could be the game say Argyle don't get some positive results against Peterborough and Portsmouth and Scunthorpe you know if those teams slip up whilst Argyle beat those teams like Rochdale and, and Gillingham like you say, they could they could really come straight back yeah. into it. And some of the some of the teams in the playoff places are playing each each other. Um, yeah. You know, I've been spending the morning doing looking at all the fixtures for the for the other clubs, and there's some cracking games coming up. You know, involving some of the other teams. You know, culminating in Portsmouth being at home to Peterborough last day of the season. Massive, um, huge. You know that that could be absolutely decisive, mm. couldn't it? I wouldn't be at all surprised if that's the TV game on the last day of the season. But there's plenty of other games like that. I think Portsmouth have, have got Charlton. There's all sorts of combinations of fixtures coming up. There may um, well be a few, uh, quite a lot of Argyle fans stuck to their phone away to Gillingham on that, on that yeah, season. Yeah, it uh, it, it's just got, you know, Rotherham to, in fourth, to Argyle in ninth, six points, six games, give or take, for everyone to go. You know, the, the, yeah. it's, it's, it's going to be a great run in. But it goes to show, you know, just, I mean, we all know how poorly Argyle started, but it, it goes to emphasise that point when Argyle have been on this incredible run. And they're still only just in touch and distance with the playoffs. You know, it's, it just shows the, the extent of the poor start of the season they had and just shows how remarkable this turnaround's been. Yeah. Indeed. Well, that's all we've got time for this week. Thanks, guys, for joining me on the podcast. Um, we'll be back again same time next week with more of the same. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. We are always happy to hear from you. And if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account at HeraldPAFC or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.